All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Gopher Report podcast is back. Sean Williams, your host here, along with Alex Carlson. And uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, it's been a been a little bit. Had a little uh, going through some transitions right now, canceling some games. So uh, <laughs> we uh, we're uh, having a lot. To, uh, I guess a lot of uh, actual sports to talk about lately. But uh, we haven't done a. We haven't really looked back at the Purdue game. Uh, of course, we had the cancellation with uh, Wisconsin, and now uh, Northwestern game has been canceled. Minnesota's in the midst of a COVID positive outbreak. So uh, cancellations the last two weeks, uh, obviously Wisconsin games kind of a, kind of a gut punch just because of the rivalry. And I think it's like the longest played rivalry in college football. And that is on the shelf right now. Uh, but right now uh, team activities are paused for Minnesota. They have uh, uh, the update according to the email we got this morning from Minnesota athletics was 47 positive since November 19th. 21 of those have been student athletes. 26 of those have been among the staff. So um, obviously, uh, you know, that kind of came out uh, the week of Wisconsin and then uh, that, that game ended up getting canceled. And then in the process of all that happening, uh, Rashad Bateman has opted back out. So uh, kind of a, another gut punch to Minnesota just going forward on the season or at least what's left of it, uh, if you kind of look and break it down right now. Uh, Wisconsin game is canceled, so maybe maybe they come back and, and the Nebraska game gets played on December 12th, and then after that, on December 19th, you have the divisional matchups, obviously, where, uh, you know, the East and the West meets, depending on seeding and everything like that. Big Ten championship game will be played, but then the two seeds play the two uh, – the two seed in the East plays the two seed in the West and so on and so forth. So you at least have two games remaining. Minnesota's at two and three right now on the season. So, um, yeah, a lot going on, Alex. Just kind of give us uh, give us your thoughts on uh, just uh, the cancellations going on, Bateman opting out. Uh, and, you know, what, what does Minnesota have left to play for this season? It's sitting at two and three with two games canceled and, and at least two games remaining on the season if possible. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know, first and foremost, obviously, hope, hope all the all the people that were affected, you know, are, are feeling okay and and have mild symptoms and then recover fully. Um, you know, it, it gets over said, but obviously that is that is the main consideration. You know, we we do have to make sure everyone's healthy. Um, but you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's obviously a time just the sim to kind of you know, it's, it's it's how the season's been. It's how the year has gone. You know, Wisconsin's had to cancel games. A lot of SEC teams have had to cancel and reschedule games. The, the Big Ten didn't do. A well enough job of planning far ahead to where you could cancel and then remake those games up down the road. Um, so here we are with two games already canceled and Bateman opting out. And, and Bateman opting out, I'll, I'll touch on a little bit as well. You know, you don't blame the guy. I mean, obviously the guy's going to be a first or second round draft pick. He has asthma. He's had it before. And, right. you know, in his perspective, okay, now I can go and just start training for, uh, you know, for the NFL draft. And, and kind of going back to the original point is, you know, what I think Minnesota has to play for is is development um fleck has preached all year about how about how young the team is especially defensively um how they have need a lot of guys stepping up and now with bateman opting out i actually think bateman opting out could really you know kind of help the team from a development perspective um mm -hmm. the more you're able to get a guy like daniel jackson or get a guy like you know, doug Emelian, who we haven't seen much of or michael brown stevens a lot of guys who are freshmen or redshirt freshmen who haven't seen a ton of reps the more reps you can get them in the game setting is, is the best, especially this year where there's not, you know, nothing really to, to uh, 
you know, two crazies on the line. There's no championships or, or anything like that because everyone makes a bowl game. So the more the more reps you can get, the better. You know, if, if you do make it to a bowl game, I, I think Fleck would probably agree. It's it's great to get those extra practices and get those young guy reps and just try to get them more comfortable and then really try to use these last, you know, two three games or so as a as a ramp up period and going into next year where a lot of those younger guys feel a lot more comfortable, um, kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned all the uh, the younger guys on offense, you know, with Bateman opting out. And, and you know, like it, you mentioned it, you know, he's got asthma. Not not really terribly surprising whenever you got an outbreak on your team and, you know, you, you're you sitting at two and three on the season. You've only got, you know, you, you got the Wisconsin game canceled. So at that point you had three games left guaranteed, but now you only have two. So, but when you right. had an outbreak, you know, and, you know, obviously the reason he opted out before was his asthma concerns and, and, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're sitting at two and three. You don't really have much to play for in terms of a championship and things like that. 2020 has just been weird, man. Just kind of – it's kind of a uh, – it's kind of a – one of those just tear the paper out and throw it in the trash, you know, kind of – Right. <laughs> kind of deal. So, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Fleck, you, you mentioned it. I mean, he preaches after every game so far this year. It's, it's youth, you know. We're young on defense, particularly on defense they are. And, uh, you know, that's true. I mean, they played a lot of young guys. Uh, you know, they, we've seen a lot of mistakes out there, especially on defense. So uh, getting those younger guys and having the opportunity to put even more younger guys in there and get them some experience uh, moving forward is going to help. I mean, you know, he's kind of he's kind of mentioned we're developmental this year, you know, so uh, kind of more more looking forward to 2021 than uh, than what's happening right now. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, uh, I'm I'm curious how to how to, you know, how to kind of break down. Obviously, you got uh, Nebraska December 12th. Uh, whether that game gets played or not, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I think if it does get played, obviously, I think he was – Flake was on KFAN uh, earlier today, and, you know, he said, obviously, you know, you're not going to have – even if that game gets played, you're not going to have everybody back. Right. Because, you know, positive tests are still going on. You know, probably had some players test positive recently. So, uh, you know – I bet – I bet, uh, side note here, I bet Nebraska's probably pushing for that game to get played because they <laughs> – I don't think there's any – I don't think there's any love lost between uh, Scott Frost and, uh, and yeah. P.J. Fleck, to put it to put it lightly. So, I, I bet, uh, you know, knowing Nebraska, how hard they pushed for this year, wouldn't surprise me if they are trying to rack up another, you know, potential win against a depleted Minnesota team. <laughs> uh, how much uh, – is there as much salt between Fleck and, and Frost as there is between Fleck and Ferentz? Or Fleck and Brom. Um, I think – Oh, Brom shook his hand, like you know, last last time. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, if, if we're ranking this, the 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 oh, friction, but yeah, the, yeah, I think probably Ferentz and probably Ferentz and Frost are probably one A, one B, and okay. then uh, and then Brom's probably a little bit under underneath that. But yeah, I think I think putting it saying there's no love lost would be uh, would be putting it lightly. <laughs> those are those are the top three. Uh, uh, salty relationships with Fleck and uh, among the uh, other Big Ten coaches. Yeah, well, and you think about it too. They they both came into their respective programs right about the same time, yeah. and they're both. You know, they got I, uh, Frost had success at UCF and they were undefeated, and yeah. then uh, you know Fleck had a lot of success at Western Michigan, and they and, you know they were undefeated until the bowl game against Wisconsin, and they both kind of came into the Big Ten around the same time frame, and you know they're both younger guys. Um, Flex maybe a little bit more, you know, energetic or sticky, if you will. But, like, they're both similar in that sense where they're both young and they kind of have energetic and they had success at their previous stops. So I think they both kind of got compared to one another. Um, 
And so I think and neither of them probably, you know, appreciates, <laughs> appreciates that too much. So yeah, it'll be, uh, like I said, I'm sure that if, if they have to play a, play a depleted Minnesota team, I bet they're going to be pushing for it to try to try to steal one. Oh yeah. I mean, no doubt, but that, that's 2020 though. I mean, you gotta, right. you know, de- definitely take advantage of those situations. I am curious though, you know, you got, after that, you got the division matchups. Curious about a couple of things, and you mentioned bowl games, which I'll get to in a minute. But December 19th, we mentioned the Wisconsin game got canceled. Obviously, that's one of the longest-running rivalries uh, that's currently ongoing. That's in jeopardy to, to be I'm – I'm curious if the Big Ten will get creative and, uh, you know, think outside the box that weekend and just be like, hey, you know uh, – and we mentioned this before we hit record, but, hey, who cares about watching Minnesota and Rutgers, you know, if they're like, you know, number – three number three or number four in their divisions uh and they're and they're matched up against each other what if you know hey uh what if minnesota and wisconsin want to play you know the rivalry game for the axe and uh that weekend just to hey you know i think people would rather watch like you mentioned i think re- people would rather watch that game than minnesota Rutgers, you know and then for just, sure just pit Rutgers get somebody else and just kind of just kind of mix and match you know just because hey it's it's 2020 why not um Obviously, you're going to play the Big Ten championship game, and you know uh, I think you can kind of uh, mix and match, and uh, maybe create some uh, rivalry games that were missed uh, throughout the regular season that last weekend, just to spice things up a little bit in terms of the schedule. I, I would love that. I think that'd be an awesome idea. the The intrigue, at least nationally, the intrigue for a Minnesota versus I think Minnesota right now is fourth in the West. They'd be scheduled to play Michigan State. Um, who they have not played this year, so it would be a, a new opponent in that sense. But the national intrigue for that game is not going to be high. Like, you know, the Minnesota fans will watch, Michigan State fans will watch, and that's pretty much it. At least when you have Minnesota-Wisconsin, there is some national intrigue to the game, just with it being a, a, a long-standing rivalry game, to at least draw some publicity. And, and I think I speak for, you know, I, uh, most Minnesota fans when I say that they would much rather watch us play Wisconsin than they would play Michigan State. Right. Um, just, you know, there's that little extra motivation when you go against a team like Wisconsin. I would personally love it if they did something like that. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously when the Wisconsin game got canceled, I think I saw, you know, where, hey, you know, the rivalry is ending. But then I think I saw where uh, uh, Minnesota AD Mark Coriel said that, you know, we would like to maybe possibly talk to the Big Ten about rescheduling that for December 19th weekend, you know. So kind of curious, you know, how that would go if, if there's going to be some wiggle room there and, like I said, I mean, you, you know, it's 2020, you know, you might as well, you know, <laughs> create some matchups that are intriguing that maybe were missed during the during the regular season. I don't know if any other rivalry games got uh, got canceled off the top of my head, but I mean, that, that's definitely a way you can go uh, with certain matchups that last weekend. Well, and one thing I, I just noticed, I looked it up too, is that we're the, our Minnesota's fourth in the West, Wisconsin's third, Maryland is third in the East, and Michigan State's fourth. The Maryland-Michigan State game already got canceled earlier this year. So they have not they have not yet played each other. Obviously, Wisconsin and Minnesota are 3-4 and four in the West. So, in theory, if you wanted to throw Minnesota up against Wisconsin, then just throw Maryland up against Michigan State and, mm-hmm. you know, works for both sides. I think I think with the amount of uh, games that have been canceled and, and, and things like that and just how, just how the standing shape of – I mean, I, you can definitely do that. I mean, I, I don't think that would be a big deal, uh, honestly, in my opinion. I, I think for – the Big Ten sake and creating a little bit of buzz that championship weekend, I think that would be a, a good thing to do, uh, quite honestly. So there, there you go, Alex. You just solved the problem, man. But once again, yeah. you need to be Kevin Warren's right-hand man. <laughs> I've been saying it for weeks. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> I know you're listening. Just, you know, 
you know where to, if you need a guy, you know where to find one. I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> Just uh, solving, uh, solving the Big Ten's problems left and right. <laughs> solving the world's issues left and right. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that. And, and uh, also my second point, you know, you kind of mentioned bowl games. You know, I, I know, you know, everything's a little bit different this year. You don't have to have a winning record. Hell, I think you could be winless and go to a bowl game if you, if you got some money. I mean, <laughs> uh, but the thing is too, you know, I'm kind of curious how those bowls will work, you know, just in terms of uh, how many is going to be available because I think there's been like eight or nine that have already canceled, you know, in terms of bowls. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how many options are you going to have? What's kind of the, the win cutoff? Is there going to be a, a win cutoff or are both teams going to be like, well, hey, you know, I could either, you know, I've got like a three win, you know, for example, a, a, a three win SEC team I could, <laughs> I could, I could get, or I got like a, uh, a eight win uh, conference Ma- Mac team, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how that selection will go. I, obviously, I know there's still conference affiliations with bowls. I wonder how, you know, I'm sure they'll stick to that to some degree, but I, I am kind of curious, you know, just how that whole bowl situation is going to work. And, you know, I, I'm sure more bowl games will probably get canceled and drop off. So, right. you're not going to have a lot of, a lot of options. But – for example, you know, Minnesota's two and three. So if you beat Nebraska, you're three and three. If you, you know, so you got you go into December 19th with a 500 record, you know, uh, thinking positively here, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, Play Wisconsin whoever, they, or whoever, yeah. Michigan State maybe. So you've got – you can either go uh, – <laughs> you can either go four and three or <laughs> – two and five, you know, and I'm curious, you know, if Minnesota finishes the season two and five, uh, are they really going to go to a bowl? Is it worth it? But it's like you said, you know, uh, if they have an opportunity to have extra practices, yeah, I I would assume they would take it. What do you think? I think Fleck, I think Fleck's that type of guy where he he wants to do everything he can to get more practices and get more reps for younger players. Yeah. I think if they offered us a bowl game, I would, I have a hard time envisioning that he would say no. And, and maybe, again, maybe it's one of those things where, Hey, now that the season's over and we're heading into the deal, we're heading into a bowl game, you know, and, and obviously with the kind of the pandemic, you know, doing what it's doing, maybe there is more opt outs. Maybe there is more people that either are hanging it up for the season or hanging it up for, you know, for maybe to go to the NFL or, you know, I could see something like that happening and that happening of course a lot of teams where yeah. if, you know, especially on a team like us, if, you know, I don't know. Maybe if Blaze Andres thinks that he's good enough or he's getting good looks, maybe he's just like, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take, you know, I'm, I'm gonna sit out this bowl game and just start training." And I'm not saying he's. I'm just totally speculating. I'm not saying that he's. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've heard rumors or anything, but you know, I, I could see that happening to a lot of teams where maybe they have some guys who are looking at the NFL or, or maybe even just for the season, maybe are injured and just say, "Hey, you know, I'm just gonna sit, I sit out the bowl game since we're playing in Detroit and in the middle of, de- you know, in the middle of December. I don't really need to go, you know." go stretch it and go play in that bowl game. So I could see something like that happening for a lot of, for a lot of teams. What's wrong with the little Caesars bowl. Okay. Hey, I, I haven't eaten at Laird Caesars in quite some time, but when I, when I used to, it was delicious. So no disrespect towards the little Caesars, $5 pizzas. The first bowl game I covered was the little Caesars bowl. Uh, It was, oh man, six years ago, Western Kentucky, uh, Central Michigan. Yeah. It feels like Minnesota was a, a, a keen member of the, of the, a music City Bowl every single year. If it felt like we were just always <laughs> slotted six and six, 
Like, throw us in like the Music City Bowl, yeah. and then we go play, you know, like a 600 team or or 500 yeah. team, you know, from the MAC yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, I know, or the 600 team. <laughs> yeah, 600 team <laughs> from the MAC, or yeah. it was either that, or it was either that, or Detroit. <laughs> we go play in the Meineke, you know, Car Care Bowl in Detroit. That was like our two bowls. We would just alternate on for like five years running. Meineke Car Care Bowl. I think that might have been the little. I think that might have been the Meineke Car Care Bowl and Little Caesars Bowl. I don't know if that's the same bowl, but obviously sponsorships change, so uh, I can't keep up with it anymore. But at the time, it was Little Caesars for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you talk about now if they go to the Music City Bowl, they're not playing a MAC team. They're playing an SEC team. Alex, come on. Get okay. My apologies. Right. My apologies. <laughs> How could I forget the Music City Bowl when when. Uh, Minnesota blew the worst lead in Division One history to Texas Tech, but we, we don't need we don't need to get into that. I don't I don't need to make listeners. Uh, I want listeners to remember that that unfortunate game. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that sounds good, man. Just stay let's stay positive through this twenty twenty process. <laughs> Almost done. Yeah. But sorry, we I, I digress. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have an opportunity to get extra practice and go to a bowl game, yeah. I would say take them. You know. Will there be opt-outs? Maybe. I mean, will will certain players maybe not want to play or maybe, you know, decide to rehab or get surgery or, what? I don't know, whatever the situation might be. I could totally see that happening. Well, but but that, that's going to ha- – I think that's going to happen with every team. Whether right. They, when they – if they decide to go to a bowl game or not, you know, because you, you're, you're seeing a lot of that, especially the last – you know, two or three years, your your star players are kind of opting out of the bowl game just for, just because they're like, hey, I'm I'm gonna go to the NFL, you know, or just you know start training for that. So sure, scenarios, different scenarios, and and different people just kind of opting out of the bowl game, and you know, but I mean that would be fine because it's like you said, you know, if the the key for going to bowl games is getting extra practice for the younger guys. So you know. Uh, as long as you're getting uh, getting reps in for uh, you know those freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, redshirt sophomores, and and uh, players like that, I mean, I, I think that's like you said, I think that's probably beneficial. And uh, you know, even if you're setting it two and five on the season, you know, if you if you if you get a chance to go to a bowl game, uh, why not do it? And and uh, like I said, prep for the future because that's obviously kind of the message that Flake is giving everybody. You know, saying that they're kind of developmental this year, and you know. Uh, uh, got a lot of young guys, so uh, you want to get them as as much practice, as much reps as you can, and and hopefully twenty twenty one to turn out to be a little bit more normal uh, for one, in the in the grand scheme of things, and then uh, you know Minnesota will be better on both sides of the ball, specifically defensively, <laughs> in next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, good stuff. I, I am kind of curious how the bowl things just going to work out, you know, and 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 how that all is going to go down. I think they, I think they had like two. Or th- two or three cancel last uh, last week. So I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, if that's going to continue or not, but that, that'd be curious right. to see. That's going to be a domino effect and if all their other games are going right. to start peeling out. I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, you maybe, maybe some of the smaller ones, maybe the ones that aren't as profitable or aren't as yeah. typically, you know, that's, watched. That's um, the, uh, actually, I got a list here. Let me look. I got, uh, I think so far it's Bahamas Bowl. Uh, Hawaii holiday, the Red Box Bowl. I didn't know Red Red Box still rocking. Uh, Quick Lane. I think you mentioned Quick Lane earlier. Yep. Yeah. Detroit. <laughs> Pinstripe and uh, Fenway Bowl, which Fenway was uh, was an inaugural bowl. Like played at Fenway Park. They were going to do this year, but they decided to cancel it. And the uh, Celebration Bowl. I have no idea where that's played, by the way. So, but those are the bowl games. So you know, it's kind of like lower tier bowl games uh, so far. 
So, uh, you know, obviously you expect the playoff ones, the major ones are probably going to be played. Uh, but I am kind of curious if any more will cancel, you know, uh, before bowl season starts, which is just around the corner, really, you know. Right. It's within a few weeks here. It's typically when bowl games can start getting played. So, and, and if the Gophers don't even, for example, the Gophers don't even have another, you know, their last game is going to be played on, uh, what'd you say, the 19th? The 19th. Yeah. And typically bowl games start, you know, within, within the, that next week or so. Uh, yeah. uh, it doesn't exactly give give the, the people a lot of time to, to get any of those matchups, uh, you know, get any of the matchups filled out and, and you know, get everybody kind of aligned and ready to start playing again. Yeah, usually bowl games are kind of start being started to play around that time, the 19th. I mean, obviously the Big Ten's going a lot later this year because they couldn't make up their minds whether they want to have a season or not. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, therefore they have no wiggle room to reschedule a cancellation. So. <laughs> yep, so here we are. <laughs> therefore, the Battle of the Axe is uh, in jeopardy right now. But maybe it could be salvaged on December 19th. We uh, will uh, we'll have yet to see. Maybe fate will align and they'll – actually be seated the same in each division and then we don't have to worry about it you know yeah yeah we'll see but anyway uh, i think people what do you think i mean because obviously not having the wisconsin game uh, kind of knocks wisconsin out of the big 10 championship game because that's their third game they're not playing so they're they're not qualified to play for the title game obviously they lost recently but uh what do you think about that i mean is that like a you know nice little nice little uh it, could could that be considered a win for Minnesota this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think with I think I think and I can speak for the Gopher fans and they 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 said they want to see actual wins. Um, we don't they don't want to get any of those. Uh, you any know, fake ones. <laughs> yeah, any of the fake ones or uh, um, you know any exactly they don't they want to get their own wins. Let's put it that way. They don't want to have to rely on Wisconsin losing to to get some gratification out of it. Uh, and, and props to Northwestern. Northwestern looks really good. Their defense is really good. Yeah. And, and if, if Minnesota had played them, it would have been, you know, a really tough game for them. So, yeah. and, yeah. and Northwestern's earned it too. And Wisconsin obviously has, you know, they missed a few games, but ultimately they did still did play Northwestern and Northwestern did beat them. So, you know, obviously would things have been the same if they played every game, who knows? But as of right now, Northwestern has earned, earned that top speed and, and earned the trip to, um, to play Ohio State. Obviously, Northwestern coming off that loss to Michigan State, but uh, they did turn the ball over four times, and that's always going to come back to bite you, you know. In any, right. You know, so, but, yeah, their defense, I mean, that's that's a veteran defense unlike Minnesota's, you know, Northwestern. I, I forgot how many uh, upperclassmen they have, but they, they're, uh, they're pretty loaded in terms of experience and things like that. So, I just goes to show you it makes all the difference in the world, uh, you know, playing in the Big Ten Conference, you know, so. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're, uh, we'll kind of go back in time. We'll get in a time machine. We'll go, we'll go back in time. We'll talk about the Purdue game because, uh, obviously, we didn't do a recap of the Purdue game uh, the week after. But we're just going to hit it real quick. Obviously, a, a, a nice win for Minnesota. Uh, a pretty exciting game. A questionable call there at the end. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of Minnesota fans will say, hey, man, that's just karma coming back for that phantom uh, P.I. call on Tyler Newman earlier in the game. Uh, so. Uh, uh, Minnesota got a 34-31 win against Purdue uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, really good win for Minnesota. Obviously, that, that puts them at two and three on the season. 
Uh, I will ask you, uh, Alex, uh, just talk about – we'll start with some uh, – let's just start with negatives first. What were some negatives that came out of that game uh, just in your eyes in terms of Minnesota's performance uh, offensively and defensively? What did you kind of see negative-wise there? I don't think this is anything groundbreaking I'm saying. I think Minnesota's inability to, to, to create pressure and make, and make other teams uh, – you know, feel uncomfortable or make other quarterbacks feel uncomfortable in the pocket. It's just been a huge problem all year. I think, you know, Boy Mafe has been the one guy who's been able to create some consistency uh, pass rushing wise, but that's basically been it for the year. So Minnesota had no sacks, for example, against Purdue. Purdue threw for over 390 yards. Um, I think they had two tackles for loss, you know, the entire game. So it, Minnesota's inability to create pressure up front and, and sure they won the game obviously, but Purdue threw for 400 yards. And, and of course, you know, with a couple of mistakes here and there, a couple of calls that could have gone either way. And that's going to be something that's, that's kind of haunted Minnesota all year. And it's going to continue to haunt them going forward. They have to be able to find a way to get pressure. They can't just let quarterbacks sit back there and, and, and tee it off on them. And, and I don't care how good your secondary is. If you give any quarterback four or five seconds of throw, they're going to tear you apart. That's just, you know, that's just how it, how it works. So Ultimately, they need to find a way to bring pressure. They, they, they would do it last year with, obviously, Coffin was there, and then and Mafia would come in on third downs, and then they would blitz uh, a guy like Braylon Oliver quite a bit off the edge. He's not with us. You know, he's not with the team, obviously, with injury this year. So they, they got to find a way to get pressure. It's been, it's been bad for them all year. And that, that's something that even just going forward, you know, they have to start to win more on first down and get some more of those TFLs and some sacks and start to put the offense in more uncomfortable situations where they're not just sitting back there throwing it all over the yard. Um, and, and it was amplified in the Purdue game because they threw for almost 400 yards, but it's, it's been an issue all year. So that's something that, you know, I think Minnesota needs to really look at in the offseason or with some of their young DNs that they're trying to get in the mix and say, hey, how, how, do we, how can we develop these guys or, or even some of our linebackers? What do we have to do to, to create some pressure? Because, you know, they're currently not doing it. Yeah, I mean, heck, just throw them in the last two games, you know. <laughs> just throw in some young guys and just, you know, work with it. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't lose any eligibility. So, you yeah. know, yeah, you, you got Ja Joyner. You got Jalen Logan Redding did make an appearance for a few snaps um, in the Purdue game, the, one of the freshman DNs that we had. You know, Gage Keys is another guy. I mean, there's a lot of young talent that they have there that, that I think they feel pretty good about. Devion Harris got in for a little bit. You know, see if they can make some plays. I mean, you know, like I said, you're not, you're not playing for much anymore except for development. So. Yeah, let them let them let them go in and, and make mistakes and, and try to make a few plays. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, Jake Plummer kind of went in there and looked like Drew Brees. You know, <laughs> just in terms of he was accurate. He was very accurate. Uh, you know, and, uh, and that's their backup quarterback too. That's exactly. not even the starter, and he threw for four hundred yards. Yeah, I mean, he started six games last year, but I mean, obviously he wasn't the starter this year. But it looked like he was. He's been the starter this year. You know. Uh, so far, you know, just going against that Minnesota defense, he was carving them up, you know, left and right. So, uh, which actually, you know, made it turn into uh, quite an exciting shootout, in my opinion. But, you know, uh, credit to the Minnesota's defense. They did get some stops. They forced some punts. Um, you know, that was uh, that was encouraging, which we'll we'll get to that in the positive section. I'm sure you're going to mention that. So, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, <laughs> uh, the negatives are really – I, I can, I wrote down, and, and it's something uh, conservative play calling, and, and particularly maybe the drive before Purdue got it at the end uh, on their offensive possession. And obviously, you know, the, you know Purdue got that 19-yard touchdown that was called back because of an offensive P.I. call on Payne Durham. Uh, but the drive before that to Minnesota, a little conservative, uh, I, I thought, uh, just in terms – once again, it goes back to, you know, you want to bleed the clock out, sure – 
but uh, you, you know, you also want to get a first down, you know, so uh, uh, Tanner Morgan was playing really well. That was probably his most efficient game this year. Uh, I would have been cool with throwing in a, a passing play there to try to get a first down. And then, you know, if you get a first down, you know, you can milk more clock, you know, I just think, I think they kind of wait a little bit uh, too conservative on that drive before Purdue got it there at the end of the game. So uh, uh, that's kind of my only negative, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you kind of touched on the uh, the defense and not getting pressure. I had that too, but I'm not going to, you know, rehash that because you did a good job, great job of breaking that down. But yeah, uh, just play calling for me and, and being conservative and trying to lead the clock out, but not trying to get a first down either. You know, I, I like to be a I'm just kind of more of a lean more toward being aggressive kind of guy, you know, get a couple first downs and then bleed out the clock and you win the game, you know, so. Yeah. And I wonder how how much of that was um, against the Iowa game when they had that third and seven that they rushed for negative one yards and then tried to kick the field goal and missed it. You know, I wonder how much of that was him Fleck kind of getting, uh, you know, getting some, some, some criticism for his decision-making and that on that, you know, sequence of downs and how much of that maybe played into this week where he said, okay, you know, I wasn't aggressive last time and, and it didn't work out well for our team. So maybe this time I'm going to try to be the aggressor and still, and, you know, maybe try to go for it here and end the game. And, right. and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Everyone's going to say, Oh, what are you doing? You know, you, you didn't get the first down. Cause of course you're always going to judge by that. If they had gotten it, then you know, maybe everyone's sitting there like, Oh, what a great call by Fleck. But of course hindsight's always twenty twenty. So right. I, I'm just curious how much of it, you know, was maybe caused by him getting some criticism in the Iowa game for being more conservative um, versus this game. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was really it. I mean, otherwise, an exciting game. It, it kind of went the way we we thought it would, you know, offensive showcase and, you know, uh, but uh, kind of transitioning over to the positives. I mean, I guess that would be uh, one of mine. I'll just go ahead and throw it out there because uh, I already mentioned it. Defense got stops. They forced punts. Um, and obviously, Josh Johnny got the INT to seal the game. Um, that was that was big. Uh after the uh, P.I. call. <laughs> Just, yeah. I'm not really sure uh, where you stand on that offensive P.I. call on the, on the Purdue, on the Purdue uh, touchdown there. What, do you think of, what did you think about that, Alex? You know, it, it's one of those that could go either way. Uh, I, I was a defensive player, so I always tend to be pro, you know, pro defensive back, just in the sense that they, they, they basically don't allow you to do anything, you know, when it comes to defending a receiver, they don't allow you to be physical at all. You can't be early. You can't put your hands on them. They basically don't allow you to do anything. And then to go around and to have, have them be able, you know, a receiver be able to put their elbow in your chest and then put and then kind of jump off or a jump ball or do do some of the little things that they can do on cuts. Maybe they kind of, you know, sometimes they'll do a little push on your hip when they're trying to maybe make an in cut or something like that. The little tricks that they have. They, right. they almost never call those offensively. And if you watch the replay from up top, it did look like the receiver fully extended his arm. If he had just given the, the elbow, right. that, that's, that's usually they let him kind of do the elbow to gain some space. But when you fully extend the arm, then you're making it a lot easier for it to call you. You know, it, it's one of those plays, if you're a Minnesota fan, you, you, you think it's a great call and you're, you're all for it. If you think it's a Purdue fan, you're probably livid. But you know, that's, how, that's how a lot of pass interference calls go. And unfortunately, this one, you know, just didn't play in Purdue's favor. So... I, I, I more I'm more so than not I'm okay with the call, but I can obviously see both sides of it and see where Purdue would be, be frustrated because that basically lost them the game right there. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at looking at when it actually happened, yeah, I agree. That's probably you know he definitely created some separation with his arm extended out that that far. But you usually don't see something like that unless it's like you know 
obviously like very blatant. You usually don't see those those calls on on plays like that. I guess at the end of the game, but but yeah, I can see it either way. You know, I mean, uh, but like I don't like, think I don't think the replay booth did a good job of showing the up top angle. Like that was yeah. the best angle that you had, where it actually looked like he was fully extended. It showed the whole clip. Every other angle they showed was after the fact, where there was nothing. So yeah. then, of course, you know, there's mayhem on Twitter. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, this is phantom call, this and that, because they didn't show the, the actual angle of, the, of him fully extending his arm. But he did fully extend his arm. Like he, yeah. he, he did, you know. And is that, you know, the Vikings last year, the Vikings won Kyle Rudolph, you know, kind of did something, you know, something like that. It didn't get called. It could go either way. In this case, yeah. it just went Minnesota's way. Yeah, and, and, you know, in this case, you know, you got like a – I think it was uh, obviously – Payne Durham going up against a safety, you know. So, I mean, obviously there's a size difference there. So, whenever a guy like Payne Durham extends his arm, you know, <laughs> he's going <laughs> to create create some separation against a smaller guy. So uh, Right, he's going to move him. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I definitely saw that going either way. But going back to the defense, um, yeah, forcing punts, getting stops, uh, the INT to seal the game. Um, uh, Justice Harris, I mean, is was that – was that the play of the game? Uh, that uh, that swipe on Rondell Moore whenever he caught it there at the uh, the end of the first half. And For the half, of, that was yeah. huge. Yeah, I mean, I think I I would think that might be the play of the game. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in terms of just momentum, you're you're up twenty one ten. Everything's been rolling your way, and then you go down before the end of the half, and they get a shot in the end zone um, against you know an All American, and Justice Harris knocks out of his hand, and then they end up missing the field goal. So you go, you still go in twenty one ten with basically all the momentum. Now, granted, Purdue came out, you know, came out firing and, and didn't let it get to him in the second half. But I, that was a huge play to keep him and you know keep momentum on Minnesota side and also keep him with an eleven point cushion heading into to halftime. And to do that on Rondale Moore too is pretty sweet. So that was that was fun <laughs> to see. And that was uh, you know big props to Justice Harris for for making a play there. Yeah, that was a huge play. And then like you like you mentioned, uh, uh, Mariano Sorry Marin, uh, you know, blocked the field goal after that too. You know, so. Uh, a lot of momentum for Minnesota going into halftime there. So, yeah. and Justice Harris was uh was the top graded performer on the Minnesota defense for from PFF, which is pretty cool too for a guy that hasn't really played a ton his past couple of years. Didn't play yeah. when he did play as a freshman was kind of thrown in there and didn't play very well, and then basically sat the past couple of years to come back as a senior and and uh, put together a performance like that on two really good receivers. That was uh that was fun to watch. So props to Justice Harris for for playing a great game. Yeah, what do you what do you got in terms of your uh, positives from the Purdue game? Um, the def- defense's mental toughness just mm-hmm. from game one to game now has improved greatly. And, and is the defense, you know, are they, are they considered a shutdown defense? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, they, you know, they made that stop right there. They made it, they made a play before the half when, when Purdue was driving to, and then they missed the field goal. So then they, they got to stop there. Minnesota goes for it on fourth down. They get one first down and then, uh, and then they missed the field goal again. So they get no points out of it, even though the offense basically gave them the ball at the you know, 35-40 yard line. At the end of the game, and granted they got the call, sure, but at the end of the day, they still made the plays, ensuing plays after that in order to, make, you know, to stop the game. And it was on the defense. The defense had to be out there and had to get stops and make a play in order for them to win the game, and they did. Um, and I thought that was – I think the defense's mental toughness has gotten so much better since game one. And, and it's a lot of those young guys like – you know, like Fleck kind of harps on our younger and, and had to get some experience. And I think they have. And, uh, and, and the defense's mental toughness has, has got improved greatly. And, and they've improved a lot um, from, from game one to even now. So I think that was, that was fun to watch. Um, some other positives I had, I think just, you know, defensively, especially some of the unheralded guys played really, really well. I thought Calvin Swenson came in uh, for Jordan Howden and played awesome. He made a, a couple 
one-on-one tackles against Rondale Moore in the slot there, you know, for minimal gains when obviously he could have easily busted one out there. I thought he was great. I think I've seen a guy like Noah Hickox, who's been in the program now for four years. Yeah. You know, he, he was the fifth graded or fifth highest graded defensive player. Um, and he's a guy who hasn't seen a ton of time in his career. Logan Richter, who's a redshirt freshman, he made, he made a TFL. You know, Philip Howard is a guy who had his name in the transfer portal and then came back and wasn't going to be a starter. And then all of a sudden St. Juice is out. Now he plays every single snap and was the third highest graded player uh, playing every single snap in that game. So I think just for me, it was kind of kind of cool and fun to see some of the unheralded guys who we don't talk about as much, you know, play and play really well and then make some plays for the Gopher defense. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with all that. And uh, offensively, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think um, probably Tanner Morgan's most efficient game of the year. I know he didn't have a touchdown pass, but go, going 15 to 22 and, and 264 yards is really good. And obviously, uh, once again, we we see what can happen when you throw the ball to Chris Altman-Bell. Uh, the dude catches some passes and <laughs> makes plays. Uh, five catches for 129 yards. That was his career high. Uh, I think he was targeted seven times. So, you know, uh, like I said, we kinda, we've kind of harped on Morgan for not maybe targeting him a lot in previous games with the exception of the Maryland game. But um, definitely did a better job of, of looking uh, towards Altman Bell's way in the Purdue game. And it really paid off, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, offensively. Uh, and, and they put together some long drives, too, a lot of 75-yard drives. and they, But then, they you know, they put together that 11-play, 93-yard drive in the first uh, quarter there. So, uh, really, really good uh, all-around effort offensively. I know Fleck was really happy about it. Obviously, wants to be balanced uh, offensively. I, they did a good job of accomplishing that, too, because Mo, Mo Abraham was uh, over 100 yards as well. I thought their flow and their uh, – I thought the flow and the balance offensively was probably, mm-hmm. if not the best all year, was one of their best performances all year. I felt like they were very balanced in terms of run pass. It reminded me a lot more of some of the game plans last year where, you know, you, you – they kind of would, you know, they would zig when you think they would zag, and they would they would kind of catch you off guard with some run plays when you thought they were going to pass, and they hit you with deep balls when when you weren't expecting them. I thought the balance of, I mean, that all starts when you establish the run, then you're able to have a lot more balance like that when they, you know, when you're able to to pound the rock a little bit. So yeah, I thought their balance was great. I thought Tanner Morgan looked so much more comfortable, yeah. um, really in control all game long, which is basically completely opposite of what we saw in the Iowa game where he looked like he was panicking, he had active feet. Um, yeah. And just you know, you know, throwing at ports and balls and whatnot. And he didn't do that at all in the Purdue game. So it's good to see him bounce back a little bit and, and have a night, you know, kind of more what we were similar to last year. Yeah, I was gonna say he definitely didn't have happy feet in that game against Purdue, whereas he did against Iowa. And uh, I mean, you could tell he was just really confident in his throws and, and attacking the ball down the field too. And uh, uh, yeah, really, really good offensive performance. I agree with you. It's the flow and just the the play calling and you know, like you said, Zig when the, the other team thought they were zagging was a uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought the play calling was really good in that game in terms of mixing it up, passing and running and everything. So, And um, one thing I kind of harped on a lot last week, because uh, since, since uh, Iowa played a lot of man coverage underneath, I was harping on, on Minnesota to start running some of the more mesh routes over the course, of the, you know, across the middle where essentially two receivers basically cross each other's paths. And it's almost essentially kind of a pick play almost, you know, and you're, you're forcing the DB to have to follow a receiver all the way across the field, which makes it a lot tougher for him. I was kind of harping on the, the Minnesota offense to mix in some of those plays um, as those are more man beaters. And, and those, you know, especially when you have such great playmakers, that's a great way to get them out in space and get some separation. And, um, and they had a lot of success with it in this game, running some of those mesh concepts and then obviously chucking the ball downfield. So uh, it seems like I think the Gophers coaching staff maybe reviewed Iowa, what they did not do necessarily very well. 
and they were they were able to attack Purdue and 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 make some plays down the field. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, team activities pause now, so you know, <laughs> you got you got to wonder what's going through these players' heads. You know, is there you're kind of just uh, hey, you know, we're not, <laughs> you know, trying to stay in shape and and things like that while everything's kind of paused. I guess what what do you what do you think about that? Just in terms of being off this long and then. You know, maybe they get back, uh, you know, here pretty soon, maybe this week or later this week and, and try to prep for Nebraska in, uh, on December 12th. Yeah, it's – you know, there's a whole, not a whole lot you can do. Uh, they, they had to do it, unfortunately, all throughout the summer and through the end of the year, kind of just live with the uncertainty and, and, and have to still motivate themselves and work out on their own. So there is a little bit of familiarity with it, but everyone's probably in the same kind of wait-and-see mode. You know, like, do they even have access to the gym to go work out or the weight room? I would – you know, think maybe, but actually, but actually, I'm not even sure to be honest with all just the positives they've been having. So maybe they're just recommending nobody, you know, nobody goes in there at all, and you're stuck doing, you know, P90X in your in your apartment room. So I don't know it's it's tough from their perspective. They probably took a few days off, you know, maybe try to heal their bodies and, and get right. But it's it's kind of tough now to to you know once you once you lose a little bit of that mental you know edge where you kind of know, hey, I have here's my routine for this week. We have a game on Saturday, and you you lose kind of that day-to-day flow you have um it can really interrupt you so you know if, if they do end up playing the nebraska game i think and i have the coaches i you know you have all the faith in the world in them but they're gonna have to make sure mentally that they're locked in you know coming that week because they have to get right back into it and play a football game yeah yeah definitely something to keep an eye on especially if that nebraska game does get played on uh, december 12th you know uh, how rusty you know will, will minnesota have a lot of rust being off you know the last couple weeks and, and things like that definitely some Something to look forward to. Uh, before we get off here, we'll transition to basketball. Obviously, that uh, the season has started, uh, and you have watched both games. Alex, uh, obviously, Minnesota uh, has beaten Green Bay, and they've uh, defeated Loyola Marymount uh, part one. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're playing uh, game number two, uh, actually, here in a few. So, uh, we're actually uh, – that, that'll happen after we get done recording here. So, that'll be, that'll be done. So, there are two games in the books and, and two wins. Uh, obviously, kind of some tune-up games. Uh, so, what, do you, what have you kind of seen from Minnesota so far on the, on the hardwood? Well, I think the, the first big thing is Marcus Carr um, is just playing phenomenal. He's averaging 31.5 points a game, you know, over 50% from the field, over 40% from three. You know, he's been six assists, four and a half rebounds. I mean, he, he's been the rock. He's been by far the best player on the court both games that they've played. And, and this team's going to go as far as Marcus Carr uh, you know, is willing to take him. And, and as of right now, he looks like he's an all-Big Ten candidate, and, and he's going to take us you – know, he's going to be a phenomenal player and, and take us pretty far. So he, he's been sensational. Um, both Gotch, a transfer from Utah, I've been really impressed with. You know, he's like a six 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 seven wings. So that's more of a slasher. Um, but he's averaging over 15 a game and, and you know, 50% from the field. Um, five assists, five and a half rebounds. So he's kind of been doing it all. And I think that uh, Patino called him a, a quote-unquote stat sheet stuffer. Um, and Minnesota hasn't had a great – well, Amir Coffey was, was pretty good, but he kind of was forced to play the point. But we haven't had a, a, a ton of slashers come through the program recently. It's been more so shooters. And, uh, and so he, both gosh, is a great – he's a great slasher, and I think he's a great compliment to Marcus Carr. Um, Liam Robbins is a transfer from Drake who's been good when he's been able to play 10 points and eight and a half rebounds a game. He's also averaged four fouls a game. So um, that's easy enforcer. <laughs> yeah. To put it lightly. And he's been good when he's been on the court, but you know, when you, when you shoot or when you, you know, four fouls in a game, all of a sudden you start getting taken out, you know, with, with for long stretches before half. And then, 
you know, you have to work you in there after half again, you kind of lose your rhythm and flow. And, and that's going to be, I think the X factor for this Gophers team so far is just how much can Liam Robbins play. Cause when he hasn't been able to play and they bring in like a Jarvis Omersa or a Brandon Johnson off the bench, you know, those guys are six, six and six, seven respectively, whereas Liam Robbins is seven foot. And you're giving up a lot from a defensive and rebounding perspective, physicality perspective um, when he's not out there. So that's going to be the biggest thing for him is he has to find a way to, 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 to be able to play and avoid foul trouble. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing with some of those big guys. They don't know how to do that. You know, I, I don't know if uh, – and I don't know if you, you uh, know, did, did he have a lot of foul trouble when he was at Drake, Robbins? He was there. Um, I, I think he did. I'll have to go back and look on the stats. And I know he was one of the top uh, blocks per game leaders. Gotcha. Um, it looks like he averaged three fouls a game last year. Okay. So four this year, granted, it's only been two games. He averaged three last year. So, you know, higher yeah. than you'd like. Um, but, again, it's only been two games. Yeah, but, you know, he's look, he's a seven-footer. He's a rim protector. I, I think, you know, um, sometimes you can get a little too aggressive when you want to block shots all the time, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> And, you know, in fairness to him, when you're playing against lesser teams who have smaller guys, you know, you probably – your eyes probably open up a little bit when you have a smaller guy coming into the paint and you, right. you know, you think you can get one on him and all of a sudden, you, you know, you take him in the body or you hit him on his, you hit him on his arm and, and you're sending him to the line for two. So he'll have to just kind of more play with more within himself and, you know, move the feet and stay upright rather than trying to maybe just go for swats all the time. Yeah, so it really it really looks like so far. I mean, obviously we're just two games in, and like I said, they're kind of tune up games. But you know, the, the transfers are really uh, panning out well for Minnesota so far. Yeah, they've been great. Brandon Johnson, another transfer from Western Michigan. Um, he's got six, you know, six point seven rebounds a game. Yeah. Um, he's been he's been great. Liam Robbins actually hit a couple threes, even two for a seven footer, which was pretty impressive. My my big thing too is you know Gabe Kalsher still just looking to, for him to find his rhythm again. He, his freshman year, he shoots 41% from three. Last year, he slumped a little bit and was only 34%. And then now he's one for eight this year. Um, didn't take a single three last game. So those were all from game one. But, you know, Gabe was a guy who just came out as a freshman and shot the ball so well. Um, and he seems to have lost maybe his confidence or his rhythm a little bit. And he just has, hasn't been able to find it for the past, you know, year or so. So, that's kind of one of the things I'm looking out for is I really want to see Gabe have one of those games again, like he had against Louisville in the NCAA tournament where he drains eight threes and has 30 some points. Cause he's capable of doing that. You know, we've seen him do it, but he just hasn't been able to, to have one of those dominant games and where he just lights out shooting the ball in a while. Um, and that's, I mean, that's going to be huge for the Gophers is he on paper at least should be the best shooter on the team. And um, he's been slumping you know, a little bit here. So I'm going to be looking for him to improve and, and try to get back into the flow of things. Yeah, basketball be interesting to watch, especially when the competition kind of steps up in non-conference, and then you you know you get into conference play too. So that'd be something we'll look forward to. Hopefully, we'll get Connor on for uh, Connor Stevens on for uh, some basketball, more in-depth basketball talk. Whenever he whenever he decides to respond to us, and and we might have to put a milk carton ad out for him to. Uh, to yeah. Research. Hollywood Hollywood Stevens, he's uh, too good to too good to respond <laughs> to to us 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 two nowadays. He's moved, moved on from us. He's got bigger and better things, apparently. Us peasants. <laughs> yeah, us peasants, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, uh, uh, good recap, Alex. Hopefully we'll have some football soon whenever, you know, uh, whenever we uh, get a confirmation that the Nebraska game is going to be a go on December 12th. Uh, we'll probably come back and talk a little bit more football and, and preview that game. Uh, so, uh, until then we might, you know, we might throw in a, a basketball podcast here pretty soon with Connor and whenever uh, Minnesota plays a little bit more games and, and have a little bit more in-depth discussion with uh, basketball with Connor as well. So, 
a lot coming here on the Gopher Report podcast. Obviously, uh, go check out our site, minnesota.rivals.com, uh, for all the uh, team information, recruiting uh, information as well. Signing day is just around the corner. I think me and Jared uh, Hallis are going to uh, do a recruiting podcast here sometime here soon, too, just to get everybody prepped for uh, uh, National Signing Day. The early signing period's coming up in December, so uh, Minnesota's still looking to add a couple pieces uh, to their recruiting class, so uh, we'll we'll talk about that and just kind of break down the class as a whole, so we'll, we'll do a podcast on that here pretty soon. So, Alex, uh, anything to add before we head out? No, um, you know, thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, if, if you're if you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, thanks again for tuning in. We really appreciate the support. And, um, yeah, we hope to be getting back to you guys soon if there's any football to be played. And, and like I said, yeah, continue to give us a follow. Um, Alex Carlson TGR is my Twitter handle if you want to give me a follow. I'm putting a lot of content football-related with some, some film reviews and other things. So, um, yeah, again, thanks again for all the support. And, and certainly tune into to the Minnesota Rivals website for, for more you know, in-depth analysis and, and different recruiting news. Yeah, and uh, you can follow our site on Twitter at Minnesota Rivals. Uh, also, Alex, you forgot to give out your MySpace page. What's your MySpace page? Yeah, Alex. <laughs> Carlson backslash. Uh, you know. uh, Pimp Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, appreciate it, guys. We'll be back soon uh, for more uh, Gopher Talk, Gopher Sports Talk, uh, the Gopher Report podcast. We are out.